Welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Emma Knight. I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're talking about bargaining chips. What can you actually negotiate for when you're purchasing a house? Now, quite a few of these are going to be talking about both new builds and existing properties. So whatever you're purchasing, hopefully there's going to be something on this list that you're going to be able to try and get when you're negotiating a deal. And of course, this is all based on the fact that we're now in a market where you've got more of the ability to negotiate. Now, we've got about six to negotiate for, so let's dive in. Andrew, what's number one? So the first is car parks, and this could be adding or removing them because I've been involved in negotiating both scenarios for people. So you're probably thinking to yourself, what the hell would I negotiate to remove a car park? Well, there's plenty of examples in Auckland where a first-home buyer might be buying a townhouse and it's close to a train station, and they think, look, I don't really need a car park, but I do need to fall under the price price cap of the first home grant. So what they might need is a discount, but the only thing they can really take away is the car park. So that's been something that's been really key for some of those people who are trying to get into a particular threshold. And similarly, investors, for example, I was in Auckland recently with some friends of mine. They are looking at a development, again, very close to a train station. And we were having a conversation around car parks. And I said, look, you don't even need a car park for this particular development. This is the jewel keys in Ellerslie, because you're better off to have a good price and get a good yield than worrying about car parks when this is probably not the type of thing that's going to be rented out to people with a car. Let's say that we go down that line of the first home buyer, right? So let's say that they get rid of the car park, negotiate that with a developer to fall under the first home grant price cap, which is currently 700k. Now, could they sign a contract to buy the car park for an extra $30,000. Yes, they can do an extra agreement, a side agreement to buy the car park separately and then the sale and purchase that they're using to buy the house, that's the thing that they go and get the grant on. So does that mean that surely the car parks are on a separate title? How does the side grant... uh, Sometimes they are. Yep, sometimes they're so you'd buy the car park as its own wee title? You can get that as a separate title, yeah. It's not uncommon in apartments, buildings. How fascinating. You learned something new even at episode 920. Well, Let, you work with me, kid. Let's come across to number two, lower deposits. Oh, I love this one. <laughs> now, just remember there is a difference between a construction deposit and the bank deposit. So your construction deposit, that's what you pay to the developer if you're buying a new build, like 10% in order to purchase this property. You sign the contract, go unconditional, pay your 10% deposit, pay the rest once the property is finished. Now, once the property's finished, that's when you need to have your total of, for instance, a 20% deposit for the bank. But what you can do in some cases is negotiate that standard 10% down. So you might negotiate it down to a 5% deposit. Now that means you don't have to put up as much money at the time you sign the contract, but of course you still have to come up with it by the time you settle. I want to give you a really good example of where I personally did this. So About six months ago, I had a revolving credit set up of about $114,000 and I thought, that's sweet, I'll be able to go buy some properties with this. So I initially thought, well, maybe I'm only going to be able to do one because I've only got $114K. If I was putting down a 10% deposit for construction loans, that's just over you know $1.1 million. But I thought, I know, let me try and negotiate a bit of a discount on these, see if I can make this money go further. What I ended up doing is I put two properties under contract and I asked for a 5% deposit each. Now, bear in mind that the developer does not have to say yes. And especially when the market was really, really hot, I didn't have a huge expectation that both were going to say yes to 5%. One came back and said, 
absolutely not. We need it for our financer. So I said, okay, fine. You absolutely need it. I'm going to go ahead with that 10% deposit simply because the property was relatively cheap, 625K, and I thought that was a really good price. So I paid my 62 grand 10% deposit. The other property was more expensive, 900K. They didn't say yes to my 5% deposit, but they said yes to 7.5%. Now, ultimately, what that meant was that I could pay them 12.5K less. I didn't need to find an extra 12.5K in order to pay them. So in the end, I ended up using my 114K revolving credit and I paid 16K in cash. And that total allowed me to put just over $1.5 million worth of property under contract for 130K. So negotiating down that deposit, and again, you request this through your lawyer, that could be a good option. And I think this is possibly, depending on each developer's financing, this could become something you could negotiate for as the market softens, but not everybody's going to accept it depending on their financing situation. Yeah, that's that's the biggest challenge is whether or not that's considered a bona fide sale by the developer's financier. But then in some instances, Instances, I've negotiated that the deposit will be paid in two parts, maybe 5% now and then 5% in three months' time or something like that. Would that be if you needed time to set up more T- finance? Title or something like that, or sale of another asset. Yeah, okay, interesting. Yep. Number three on my list is drapes, blinds and appliances. So there's often the term turnkey used that isn't really turnkey. So sometimes packages, particularly if you go online, you'll see a house and land package, for example, which may not include landscaping. It may not include the driveway. It may not include the letterbox. And it probably doesn't include the drapes and blinds or appliances. So there's all these extra things that you can include or exclude if you need to adjust that price. And that's where you see on trade me, you think, gosh, this house is an absolute steal. Oh, I get it all the time. I'll get an investor email me and say, hey, this seems like a good price. All it takes is a two second call to the developer to find out, yeah, there's about 100k worth of extras in there that haven't been factored in. The landscaping can be a big one. The driveway can be particularly big. And you want to make sure that obviously everything you need to have this property as a rental or an owner occupied is included. But if you are, again, in a position where you've got a really limited budget, maybe you can leave some of these things out. So obviously not the driveway. Banks will want to make sure that things like that are in there. But the blinds, for example, if you get a package yourself or your mum can stitch you together some blinds, maybe if you're a first-time buyer, you could cut those out of the contract and get their price down. Yeah, and sometimes for investors who want a true turnkey product, that's where you'd negotiate for those to be included, perhaps for the purchase price. That's pretty standard. And the value on that might be 10K-ish. So this is something we negotiate all the time ourselves, where you're wanting those to be included in the price. You don't want to have to fork out an extra 10K. Yeah, investors want certainty. So a lot of what we negotiate is everything to be included at a fixed price so that even if it takes longer to build, even if the cost of materials goes up, you have a certain investment. So number four is healthy homes guarantees. Now, most developers will not include a clause of the contract that says that this property will meet the healthy homes standards. Now, why wouldn't they do that? 
Well, because the building code is less strict than the healthy homes standards. So it may cost you extra to bring up a property to the healthy home standards. For instance, if you need to put a more high powered heat pump in there, or you need to stop some sort of drafts or whatever it happens to be. So one thing that can be useful as an investor to negotiate into a contract is that the vendor or the developer will warrant that the property meets the healthy home standards. Now, if you can get that in there, again, that's a bit of a hygiene clause. It makes you feel more comfortable that, hey, this absolutely will meet it. And then in 11 months time, once the property is built, when you do get a healthy homes assessor in to say, yes, this meets standard, if there's something that doesn't meet the standard, hey, you can get back to the developer and they cover the cost. So that is something that I'm pretty hot on because you don't want to face those extra costs at the end. You want to have that certainty. What's number five, Andrew? Purchase a friendly contract term. So things like a one-way sunset clause, which we've harped on about because it has been happening all the time. Developers will use a sunset clause to cancel a contract and then sell it for more money. And that probably goes along the lines of the no capital gains clause. So the developers can't cancel contracts and sell to a third party at a higher price. So I've got this into as many of my new build contracts as possible. So you might have to accept a two-way sunset clause, but then you can have something in there to prohibit the developer cancelling it and then selling it to a third party for a higher price. I think at the start of the contract, things like due diligence and right to cancel clauses, so things that give you the option to do your due diligence and cancel if it's not the right investment for you or not the right property for you to purchase. And just getting rid of things like price escalation clauses, all the stuff that developers might use to take advantage of you. Look, here's a thought that I've only just come up with as we're recording this. At the moment, because I've taken this from one of my contracts, you know, the developer will not cancel the contract to sell the property to a third party at a higher price. Should I have put in here, the developer will not cancel the contract to sell the property to me at a higher price? I should have well, asked for it, but they, they might have said how no. How would they cancel it though? To know. Yeah. Well then, yeah. The qualities in the contract, as we often say. Well, yeah. yeah I'd say that's one that your lawyer would, would have a field day with. I'd say they'd be able to really twist the developer's arm on that one. I don't oh, I hope so. Yeah. I want to see Sue with VJ in a headlock. Oh, <laughs> so, Sue's, Sue's the best. Now, there are a couple of other things that I've just been thinking about now that we're moving into this period where negotiation becomes more doable. So let me ask you this, Andrew, because you're my older, wiser friend. So what I've started doing with new builds is getting our good friend, friend of the show, Kyle Brooklyn from Informed Inspections, to look at my plans, get his feedback yes. as a building inspector looking at the plans. Now, when I last did that, he gave me some good advice around like, well, maybe you want to repurpose the under the stairs cupboard for gas hot water or something like that. Mm-hmm. Would it be worth doing that and then trying to get the developer to include some of this in there? Or do you think they're just going to tell me to... I'd say, I'd say there's not a chance. They're just going to tell me is they're building 100 units exactly the same or, you know, similar. There might be 10 versions of a plan or something like that. They're not going to change it for one person. So is there anything else? Because I know there are people listening to the show who they're like, I want the best deal possible. Is there anything else they could potentially try and negotiate for? 
I don't think so. Nothing extra that I can think of. Have you got anything up your sleeve? You've got a smile on your face. I've always got things up my sleeve. <laughs> oh, it's just my skinny little wrists this time. Um, so let me ask you about existing properties then, because Exist- we've mainly talked about new yep. builds. Yeah, so existing, some of the key things there. Early access is a great one if you're going to do some renovations. So early access so that you can get in there, do as much work as you possibly can before you take possession. And delayed settlements. Delayed settlements are a great one because that gives you plenty of time to find a tenant. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, why not check out the previous webinar recording? So the actual recording of the webinar where we fully went through how to get a screaming good deal in 2022. I'm going to drop a link to where you can find that down in the show notes. So tap or swipe over the cover art. There'll be a link in there, or you can find it for free on opuspartners.co.nz. Listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 